millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This is Internet Marketing. to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. I'm Andy White, and I'm joined by Matt Daly, Paid Performance Accounts Manager here at SiteViz. Hello, Matt. Hello. Tell us just a little bit about what you do here at Site Visibility. I know the, yeah, that was quite a long, descriptive um, very, title. Very, very long. Is it, you're just going to say, <laughs> I do what it says on the tin, aren't you? I do do what it says on the tin. No, I, um, I look after all of the paid social accounts here. I also work with the SEO accounts and do some online reputation, which we're going to talk about today. And you recently wrote a blog post, didn't you, uh, for, for Paypoint? Was it entitled Social Media for Small Retailers? Have I got that yes, title right? Yes, it was, it, was, um, it was actually getting online and making it work for you. So it was a completely different title to what I just said. It was, indeed. It was, but it was, I think it was aimed at quite a sort of small retailers. It was aimed it? at kind of retailers um, such as small um, Paypoint stores all around the UK. And it went into a uh, Paypoint retailer magazine which was sent out to 25,000 I believe it was pretty big there's a lot of you know if you if, if you look at the sort of distribution curve of businesses there's a lot of very small businesses and I think the, the question that this article raises and it's a very interesting one is can retailers small retailers be successful both on the high street and online I mean what social platform should retailers be be using online small retailers every business is different so therefore not every platform is going to be suitable for a specific business so for a retailer if we're talking about someone on the high street like a corner shop someone like that then facebook might be a really ideal platform for them and allow them to be able to engage with their audience and share news on their on their page as well um and in my article that i wrote we kind of discussed this and and talked about how retailers used to be the local kind of news. I think people used to go there and they used to get the local news from the, from what was going on in your area. Mm. And I think it's a lot different nowadays. Uh, people do use the online channels such as Facebook, Twitter. It's different, and I think the way in which people engage now isn't always face to face. No, 
So it's good to have a, a kind of channel on one of these platforms because it will allow you to engage. And we'll talk more about this notion of localness in a minute. I mean, what strategy should retailers or businesses, small businesses, be taking online to increase footfall? So, I mean, I mean, normally we talk about what should you be doing online to increase traffic to your website, but what could you be doing to actually increase physical traffic into your shop or retail outlet? Okay, so I guess, um, as we mentioned before, the strategy should be driven by the business's end goals. So it's not just a case of being there because they think they need to be there. Mm. Um, so the, the account they're on needs to be for them. And at the end of the day, all retailers want extra footfall. So if you're looking at Facebook and Twitter, what you want to be doing is looking into how you can increase that footfall through these platforms mm. um, and drive people into your store. So it's about using the right content, sharing the right things, mm. and, and even promoting on your Facebook and Twitter accounts mm. to really drive people back to your store. Do you think it's it's any good to offer incentives? Like the first, I have seen this on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. The first pe- 50 people that come into my store today will get a free, I don't know, loofah. Will get whatever. a free... A free sun hat. Yes, a free sun hat, even though it's pouring with rain. Does, does that kind of thing work? Um, yeah, I think incentives is what makes social so great. Offering incentives. I mean, there's Flock to Unlock. Have you ever seen one of those? No, before? how does that work? How did so, that work? So um, with a Flock to Unlock, it's one of Twitter's ways of encouraging people to retweet a specific piece of content that they've shared. And when someone shares it up to 100 times, for example they might release a promotion code. And what that promotion code then allows them to do is yeah. go into the store or shop online. Yes. So it's these strategies which can be made up through social accounts should always be driven by the business's end goal. So that's where we think about these creative strategies and we apply that to their end goal. Yeah. It does remind me a bit actually of, um, is it pay per tweet or pay by tweet but it also reminds me i read recently in the newspaper this wasn't a small um restaurant i think it was quite a known restaurant but they were basically saying when you get your meal if you photograph it and tweet it out it's free with with a certain hashtag that sounds pretty decent it's pretty decent i don't know i don't know how well it went but it was it was certainly quite interesting um well let's let's talk a little bit about the risks of being on social media we have touched on this recently uh with felice in a recent episode negative feedback uh, again, in the in the news, there were s- stories. Uh, I think we'll talk about them in a minute of the American Airlines story, and and I think um, British Gas recently had a bit of a fun and games online. But what sort of things can happen for small retailers if you know if things go wrong with their social media account? What what kind of things can go wrong? Well, there's going to be risks with any social presence or any presence online, for that matter. Mm. So I think. But like we said earlier with um, the US Airlines, they had a hack into their account and mm. they tweeted out to someone and a, a very rude <laughs> image. Yeah. Um, but there is that risk that someone can actually take control of your profile. Mm. Um, that's why you have to have a procedure in place to manage that risk um, and understand that if something does like that does happen, have something in place which allows you to respond quickly. Mm. And it's, it's the same with negative uh, feedback. Uh, from customers i would always say to clients um we often get clients say oh but we don't know if we want to be on facebook because we might get this negative feedback Mm. but i think the negative feedback is going to happen wherever you are Mm. so you could be not having a page on facebook and not even know of the negative feedback Mm. because people are still going to talk about you Mm. 
But if you're on Facebook or if you're on Twitter, you can actually respond to this and create a great level of customer experience. So and understand why your your clients or your customers are unhappy. And what that does then is it allows you to improve your service. And I think that's that's a, a lot of a lot of the time companies don't really understand that. And I think if they did, then mm. it would it would be a lot better for their business. So I think it's probably very important then to do two things, to monitor the account yes, and to be prepared to respond. There's a good respond. positive word for you. Respond to, uh, to negative criticism. Respond. Yes. Uh, the British gas story was interesting. So that was last year. I think that may have been in December. Yeah. Around a price increase, I think, in there. So basically, was the I know, I know British Gas are a huge retailer, and we're talking about small ones, but I think the principle still applies. So basically, they would, I think the story is that they increased their prices, and then they invited people to come onto Twitter and talk about it using the hashtag AskBG. And uh, basically, all that seemed to happen is that there was a lot of negative comments and reviews and silly pictures and all sorts of things going on. Did they respond well to that? I, I can't see really a lot of evidence sure. I, yeah, how they responded. I don't think there was a lot of response back. I think they may have managed to get some kind of response, but people were posting pictures of their grandmas uh, who looked very cold, and some people even photoshopped some pictures, which do look quite funny. I know I wish the audience <clears> could see. Uh, but just go on to Twitter and type in hashtag AskBG, and I'm sure you can see everything. Okay, what about um, what about small businesses with their own website? What is what is the best approach here? Because I mean, you walk into a small corner shop or you know a pharmacy or something like that, and you wonder, have these people got a website? Is it worth having your own website, or is it better just to sort of have a sort of a page on Facebook or a social media sort of um, focus? So, for a, a small retailer, for example, like a corner shop, then it's it's not always worth the hassle of actually going through and creating your own website because to be fair, all you're going to really be able to host on it is your opening times or, or anything that you've got on in store, which is on sale. Mm. Um, but it's more of an information hub, isn't it? And I think a lot of the time now with Google plus Facebook and Twitter, all of these things can be done through that. So it's actually sometimes more efficient just to run all of your activity through a social platform. So when someone types it into Google opening hours of this convenience store, you come up in the new Google way, which it describes your opening times. Mm. So um, I don't think for small independent retailers, it's not always the case. It's, they don't always need a website. No. But I think if you were comparing that to the likes of someone like TK Maxx, obviously it's a, it's a lot clearer that they do have an online uh, commerce. So they, they can actually have a website to drive more sales and to get more people into store. Um, but I think for a small business, it's not always, not always necessary. Let's talk about some of the, the differences, Matt, between the various social platforms. So main social platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. What are the differences? Because they they're all kind of the same, but I know some right. of them have specialities that they, they do things in a better way than other things. So I think Twitter for me is more of a news hub. Yeah. It's where it's where all the news goes on. So following um, like breaking news, all those kind of channels, you're going to yeah. find out things as they're happening in real time. Yeah. And it's similar with Facebook, but I think Twitter has that edge on real time technology there. And mm. I think they are kind of leading that. Um, whereas Facebook, I see that as more of a a place where people just go and 
talk to their friends or share pictures. Whereas I don't really see that as much on Twitter. I see that more about the the general engagement, people looking at news stories. Mm. Um, I think Facebook is more of a a place where people go to talk to their friends. Mm. But when you look at paid advertising on Facebook, which we do a lot of, it's a great place to engage. Businesses can use paid advertising now to amplify their messaging and to reach new audiences that they have not reached before. So looking into uh, page post advertising, um, newsfeed advertising, mm. uh, right-hand column advertising, and actually targeting audiences that might likely to be interested in their brand. So that's something which um, I'd say Facebook is really great for. And Twitter is the same. You can do the same kind of thing with that, mm. where, you can, where you can sponsor your tweets and push those out to targeted demographics. Um, with Google+, Plus, I think it's, it's, got, a, it's got a load of um, people using Google+, Plus, but with Google+, Plus, I don't think it's a platform which people use on a day-to-day basis in terms of myself at home in the evenings looking on Google+. Plus. It's not something that I do. I think I'd use Facebook or Twitter for that matter. I think um, Google+, Plus is more for businesses and i think it's kind of been pushed towards the whole obviously with google being the biggest search engine i think um like local seo i think having your google plus page helps with that i think businesses are getting more involved on that side of things and building up an authority with their google plus page Mm. because it because it does help them with their local seo what about videos and the reason i suddenly thought of videos is because i know that google plus is obviously very well linked to its own YouTube, yeah, to YouTube and things yeah. like that. Is there a place for a you know a YouTube video to advertise your business or or to somehow promote it or make people think about it? So obviously, with YouTube, you can promote uh, videos through YouTube itself. So and that's based around the the demographics that are actually likely to be watching those videos. There was a really interesting uh, video uh, that went out uh, about three or four weeks ago, I think. And it was about a charity, and, and you didn't really realise at first that it was a charity. And this man walked around with a sign saying, F the poor. Mm. And, and whilst you're watching this video, you think, oh, what, a, what an absolute idiot. Like, mm. he's, he doesn't sound very nice, does he? Um, and as it, as it kind of goes on, people are going mad at him in the streets, and he's got homeless people coming up to him, and he's saying, um, F the poor, basically. And... And they're all saying, why are you saying this to us? You know, this isn't very nice of you. You shouldn't be saying that. How would you like it if you were in my position? Mm. And of course, he continues walking around. And then the message says, so we know you care. Mm. And then the video changes slightly. And I wasn't really expecting this. And what then happened was he went around with a sign which said, help the poor. Mm. And of course, he walked through the street and nobody said a thing. So it was a it was a message which was really really clear cutting, and it actually kind of showed that people do care about the poor, but actually no one's helping them. And that video went viral overnight, and it's I I would imagine it's got millions of views now. <laughs> it's just the idea, isn't it, behind the video? If it's, you come up with a, I think the idea is like ninety five percent of it, and shooting it is like five percent of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Coming up with a creative idea like that is just amazing. And yeah. I think they must have made so much money through that. And you think that's maybe a cheap GoPro camera. <laughs> yeah, probably. And 
very well executed. <laughs> but... Yeah, just two people, a guy, a yeah. guy with a board and someone with a camera. Yeah. Yeah. It would be very interesting, actually, to, to find out how effective that was, maybe in a future show. Yeah, definitely. We can, we can revisit that. Just before we sign off, I want to touch on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is an interesting... We were talking about, you know, which is the best, or the difference between the various social platforms. Do you think LinkedIn is still very much corporate, or is it moving more... To, is it becoming more Facebookish? I think um, it is still very much a corporate platform, mm. I, I think. And I kind of see it as a platform to seek new opportunities. If 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 you are a standard user, I think you're going to go on there and see what's happening. And mm. you, you do um, network with people and build up relationships. And that's what all of these social networks are about. Mm. Um, and again, you do have the paid side to it as well. Like So with Facebook, you've got your paid performance stuff and same with Twitter. So I think um, LinkedIn is is a platform where I wouldn't use it on a day-to-day basis, but I think some people might to engage with other people. Mm. Uh, for example, if you're a recruiter, you might go on there to engage and try and find someone to work at your business. Yes. Um, so I think it does take a lot of focus, obviously, around the, the business corporate side. Mm. Well, Matt, thanks so much. How can people find you online? What's your Twitter handle, etc.? So I am online on Twitter, and that's Matt underscore daily underscore uk and that's matt with two t's and daily d-a-l-e-y isn't it yes that's it well that's it for today thanks for listening sitevisibility.com slash im podcast is the place on the web to find the podcast um keep sending the questions in we are slowly accumulating them the email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk we also have a telephone line plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh if you want to leave a message or an audio question and of course you can find the podcast on itunes and we love ratings on itunes don't we matt yeah keep rating us give us a give us a like on facebook as well so it's goodbye from me andy white and it's goodbye from matt and we'll see you next time on internet marketing see ya are you ready to enhance your future in tech then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.